today on Real Radio. We are going to be guilty of many things in this life, but if it's the same accusation that Jesus was guilty of, then let it be. Let us be the most loving people the world has ever seen. At the same time, let us not waver one bit regarding sin and righteousness. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack continues a study now called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter with a message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2. You know, the Apostle Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, and he later became the leader of the early church. His story, it's indeed ancient, but really no different than what's happening today. We are still in need of a Savior, and Christ followers still need Peter's heartfelt words of compassion and his encouragement. Jesus saved us from the power of sin by paying the ultimate price. His brutal death on the cross gave us the chance to experience new life in heaven with him. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is all about salvation. By choosing to follow Christ, we can be assured our salvation is secure. So today, on day three of this message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that the Old Testament of the Bible speaks of the coming Messiah, who will suffer and die for our salvation. The coming of Jesus Christ, it's not just a New Testament concept, but a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And now in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. He's uh, flirting with her. He's calling out to her. He's trying to make her come to him. And the Holy Spirit does that. The Spirit of Christ unified together. Think of it. It is the Spirit of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who makes Jesus so attractive And the Spirit says, come to Jesus. Look, he loves you. He wants the best for your life. He went to the cross for you. All of those thoughts that enter the minds and the hearts of man is from God. And he wants you to know him. What an amazing God we have. The heart that is after God is desiring to be with God. When that heart begins to awaken, that's a spiritual reality that I believe will not be denied. When God begins to touch your heart and you're responding to him, Nothing will satisfy you but the word of God. Did you know that, church? Listen. Listen, there's nothing that can cause a church to grow healthy but the word of God. Listen, it's not, it's not a remodel. It's not screens. It's not graphics. It's not music. These are all salt and pepper and spices to the food. This is it. You know the old saying, uh, build, what is it, build it and they will come, build it? Nowhere is that in the Bible. But the Bible does say, listen, teach it or preach it and they'll come. They might say yes or they might say no, but they'll come. That's all of our job is that we're supposed to do is is to present Christ. What people do with the offer is their business, not ours. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, they'll follow me. You want to have a church that's successful? Keep the Bible forefront and God's sheep will come and eat the word. No games, no bingo, no goof off. You can have bingo, but have Bible before your bingo. You can have a barbecue, just have Bible before your barbecue. Bible, God's word. 
The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you have searched for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Thank God for that. And it's the spirit of Christ who's working. Why? Because Christ is the centrality of the word of God and the Holy Spirit's the teacher. Did you know that? In John 16, verse seven, I love this. Get ready to write this. This is a wonderful passage. Follow along with me if you would. John 16, verse seven, letters in red. Jesus is speaking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's another name of the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Verse eight. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. Oh, but the fine print is until the California legislature (laughs) makes the Holy Spirit illegal. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Verse nine, because I because they do not believe in me, verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and verse 11, of judgment, because the ruler, that is a reference to Satan, of this world is judged. I, listen to this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. That's a prophetic statement right there. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Don't you love that? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you open your Bible, say, Holy Spirit, teach me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. 1 Peter 1, verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy, revelation of Scripture, is of any private interpretation. Verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, possessed, prompted by the Holy Spirit. The third and final thing that we look at today is at the latter end of verse 11. And it's this truth that the... God testified of the origin of salvation, the very origin of salvation. Verse 11 goes on to say, when he, that is the Holy Spirit, testified beforehand, now he did that through the prophets, of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow Now look, church, get your pen ready. For some of you, you almost don't have to do this, but If you attend Wednesday nights, and we are currently in the book of Isaiah, it's remarkable to me how here in 1 Peter there's an overlay. You read a moment ago in the closing end of this verse that the Messiah is to suffer. And according to the Bible, the Messiah, it is taught, of the world, of Israel, will suffer and then enter into glory. Again, this is not a New Testament concept. So those of you who are Wednesday nighters, bear with me as I restate some of the themes of the Old Testament regarding the sufferings of the Messiah. And you've heard this recently, but maybe some of you missed this or you weren't here on a Wednesday night. The Old Testament reveals the ministry, words, nature, and mission of the Messiah. 
If you're Jewish today, you read scriptures that have the word anointed or anointed one. If you read your Hebrew scriptures, you'll never see the word Christ. You'll see the Hebrew word for Christ, will you not? And that's Messiah. The Bible says in the Hebrew scriptures that the Messiah, listen, Proverbs 30, verse 4, for example, is the Son of God. How can this be? There's only one Messiah. If you're Jewish in your Old Testament, there's only one Messiah. There's only one Savior. There's only one Redeemer. And to all of you Jewish friends, we agree with you. We say, Amen. Your scriptures teach that that one who is that very person must suffer. We're not making this up. This is not a New Testament creation. It's a New Testament fulfillment of an Old Testament revelation. Case in point, just recently on Wednesday nights, we came through the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And during that study, we talked about how the Bible says to the nation of Israel, their Messiah must suffer brutally to the point where he is beaten and so disfigured by his beatings that he's unrecognizable as a human being. The Bible says that he's gruesomely abused in the Old Testament. This is why Zechariah, jot it down if you don't know, and all my Jewish friends, please be listening. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 says, regarding the Messiah, then they will look upon me whom they have, what? Pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Book of Zechariah, ladies and gentlemen, roughly written about 650 years before Jesus was born. Every Jew knows this portion of scripture. I'm asking you, and Christian, I'm asking you to bolster your faith. Who is this? Just in your mind, ask yourself this question. Whoever this is regarding the salvation of God, the timing of it all, the experiencing of it all, the person of it all, who is this? Well, whoever it is, the prophetic Hebrew scriptures say that he's going to be pierced. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and their rulers to take counsel against the Lord and against his, what? Anointed. It's another name for Messiah. Tell me, when in the world, in all of history, did the nations of the world gather together or will gather together and not only attack the God of heaven, but his anointed one? Just asking you the question. Psalm 22, verse 1. The psalmist cried out, King David did in this psalm 1,000 years before Jesus was born. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And that very verse is none other than a verse that you probably know most of it from the New Testament. Why? Because Jesus is the one who cried out, quoting Psalm 22, regarding himself being pierced at the cross. The suffering of the Messiah, Psalm 69, verse 20. Are you guys okay with this? We're almost done. Reproach, or the word is taunting, mocking. In our modern day vernacular, we would say, the bullying has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. 
Recognize that, anyone? Jesus on the cross. Exactly what happened as eyewitness accounts, and I love it. It's not only the eyewitness accounts of those who saw this happen, it was also the eyewitness accounts of the unbelieving Roman Empire that recorded the same thing in Roman antiquity. I love it. The suffering ministry of the Messiah had to be. Deal with this, my dear Jewish friend. Daniel 9, verse 26. The Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. The two English words cut off is one Hebrew word, karat. And that word means that whoever the Messiah is, he will be charged and condemned for committing a capital offense, warranting death. The Hebrew Bible says the Messiah must die for an offense. Can someone tell me, according to the Bible, what was it that put Jesus on the cross according to the accusation? What was he guilty of? He was guilty for being the son of God. When you're the son of God and people don't want to hear it, to them, you're guilty of being the son of God. Jesus could not change his stripes, his his. His nature, he was who he was, which the Bible says regarding that, he never once opened his mouth to defend himself. How could he? Isaiah chapter 50, verse six, we're almost done. Isaiah 50, verse six, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard and did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Did that not happen to Jesus? Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6, in the uh, NIV version, New International Version. Zechariah 13, verse 6. If someone asks, what are these wounds on your body regarding the Messiah? They will answer, the wounds which I... The wounds I was given in the house of my friends. Zechariah 13 is all about the Messiah returning back to Israel. And when he comes back in the second coming, they're going to ask him, where did you get all these scars? Ladies and gentlemen, listen, I'm almost done. If you don't understand who Jesus is, you need to read the Old Testament and look at it against the new. And then listen, my friends who are Jewish, I love you dearly, but listen carefully, listen carefully. For that matter, my Muslim friends who tell us Jesus didn't die on the cross, then how in the world do you have a Messiah returning back to earth to the Jewish nation and the Bible says that the Jewish nation will look at him and say, where'd you get all these scars? Because he came 2,000 years ago, that's why. He's not coming back for the first time. He's coming back a second time. He was born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter five, verse two. He was born of a virgin. The Bible says he's deity. Isaiah 7, 14 and Isaiah 9, 6. It's him. The greatest prophecy teaching ever in the Bible is that Jesus Christ is Messiah, is Lord, out of his own mouth. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25, Luke 24, 25, the Bible tells us on Resurrection Sunday morning, then he said to them, Jesus was walking, you can read it later, read the whole chapter, it's wonderful. Luke 24, then he, that is Jesus, said to the two disciples, it's a Sunday evening now, getting close to dark, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in some of the Bible? Oh, how much of the Bible? All of the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? Sounds like Peter. And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's the challenge of the Bible to us today. 
I end with these two, the reading of these two next passages and we're done. John 15, listen to this. This is Jesus speaking. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Okay, do you know who's talking right here? Do you get this? Do we get this? This is the God of all who the prophets said would visit you and I in human skin. (laughs) Whose name would become the most glorious name you'd ever hear. And oh, by the way, his name, hello, skeptic, listen, his name would become the most cussed, scorned and cursed name there'd ever be. You can travel the world and when people want to cuss, they don't even know Greek or Hebrew and they'll use the name Jesus Christ when they want to cuss. No one shouts Mohammed and no one hits their finger with a hammer and says Buddha. (laughs) Do you find that interesting? And he says, I call you who believe in me friends. This is the God of all creation calling you friend. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, comma, stop right there, comma. If the world hates you. Jesus is is prophetically announcing the world's gonna hate us. I'm just asking. Does the world hate us? You know that it hated me first or before it, it hated you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, The world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In other words, it has to happen. He's prophetically announcing if you follow him, you're going to be hated. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Final verse. This is the final verse. I've been saying final verse for 10 minutes. This is the final verse. (laughs) Philippians 1, 27, listen. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news that is the gospel about Christ. Then whether I come and see you, Paul is saying, or uh, again, or uh, only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Verse 29, for you have been given not only the privilege 
not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, says Paul, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Dear saint of God, listen, the greatest announcement is your salvation. And you and I are gonna be subject to rejection and hatred, mock, ridicule, and scorn. And Paul says, oh, by the way, my entire life's ministry to this moment he wrote that was just like that. And I wanna encourage you. We are gonna be guilty of many things in this life. But if it's the same accusation that Jesus was guilty of, then let it be. Let us be the most loving people the world has ever seen. At the same time, let us not waver one bit regarding sin and righteousness. That's why the world's gonna hate you. Know this, the prophets longed to see your day Is it tomorrow or Israel's birthday? If you could tell the prophets of the Old Testament, oh, guess what? We're gonna be turning on the TV. In fact, tonight, my TV goes on tonight and I'm just gonna stay up, which is really easy for me to do these days. <laughs> I'm just gonna stay up and watch it all night long, live. God's word being fulfilled, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow you can watch history being made because God said in the last days, I will reestablish my nation, Israel. And once they're back in their own land, yes, they have horrible days coming. Yes, they have terrible tribulations coming. But he says, now that they're back in the land, whenever that day happens, they'll never again be uprooted. And tomorrow is the 70th Think about it, generational birthday of Israel. Have your Bible ready and be looking up. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand and close. Father, we glorify you, almighty God. Your word is true. We have peace, joy, confidence in the spirit of God. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, rose again from the dead. It's not true because we say it is. It's not true because we believe it. It's true, period. But we choose to believe it. We choose to come to that truth. So Father, in Jesus' name today, may we go bold out there into a world of hurt with the love of God. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2. Thanks for being with us today. We pray that your life is based on the solid truth of God's Word and His promise of a Savior, God's only Son, Jesus Christ. The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2, is part of Pastor Jack's series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter, a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others really inspires us still today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. Now, can you imagine if the Apostle Peter had a Facebook page? Well, we're all called to be disciples of Christ, but today we have the advantage to share our faith through social media. That's why Pastor Jack is on Facebook and often shares live events called Happening Now. 
You don't have a Facebook page to join in? No big deal. You can join thousands who follow Pastor Jack on his Facebook page, simply called Jack Hibbs. The Happening Now episodes mainly cover Bible prophecy as they relate to current events. You're going to like it a lot. You can access Pastor Jack through Facebook or at our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Our phone number, if you'd like to write this down, 877-RR-RADIO. That's 877-777-2346. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 1273, Chino Hills, California, 91709. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.